It's time to start the day with Smornings on Sir Smodcast Internet Radio. Is this another caller I see? Oh, it yeah, is. We got- Click it on, man. Todd, 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 Todd. Hello, Todd. Todd Hillier, you're on the Smodco Morning Show with me and Jason Muse. Hello, hello. It's Toddski all the way from Fort McMurray, Alberta. That's right, Toddski, man. Toddski's got a podcast of his own. Tell him what your podcast is called, Toddski. It's the YMM podcast. Uh, basically, it's our, uh, the source for uh, the independent entertainment of uh, northern Alberta, all the way up here in the frozen wasteland. Speaking of northern Alberta, we were talking about our friend Sean lives up there. You guys are past even Edmonton, right? Oh, yeah. We're, uh, we're about 500 kilometers. I don't even know how many miles that is. Uh, way north of Edmonton there. So you guys are almost by what? The fucking Yukon or what is it called? The um, What's above Northwest. you? The Northwest? Yeah, Northwest Territories, yeah. We're, we're like a ways away from that. Uh, kind of just plunked right down, uh, right in the middle part between uh, Edmonton and Yellowknife. Yellowknife, that's it. That's that's kind of like the <laughs> wilderness up there, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's not as good as the pussy lanches, but, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is as good as a pussy lanch. Toski, tell them all about your podcast, brother. Uh, basically, uh, we started the podcast because uh, we get kind of a bit of a negative view of our uh, hometown in Fort McMurray. Uh, we got a lot of uh, energy operations up here called the Oil Sands, and a lot of people kind of uh, attack us because it's a bit of a transient community. But what I'm trying to prove, along with many other people up here, is that <clears throat> there's a we, a lot of people call this place home. Yeah. So and uh, and uh, some people write blogs. Uh, some people run for mayor, and I do a podcast, <laughs> basically. So, I'm trying to get the trying to get the images spinned around and show that the people care about this place. We call this place home, and there's just lots of stuff to do. Uh, myself and my uh, partner Tito, there we uh, we make well, he makes short films that he just tells me to kind of star in it. <laughs> so, it's, uh, it's some pretty fun stuff, and we just kind of just try to get the message out there to say that. People are up here. We we are proud of where we're from, and it's definitely a good time up here. Now, were, uh, were you the guy that I've met at the backstage at the Orlando show? <laughs> uh, I was hoping you'd forget. Well, that was a much drunker version of you, but you were at the Orlando show, correct? Yes, I was. Yeah, I had a, a couple days off there, and uh, I always wanted It's been a while since I hit Florida, and uh, you and uh, you and Moe's and Muse were doing this podcast and get old. That's so right, I that was last year. Went down. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. So you flew down for that? Yeah, I just had a couple of days off, and I, I went down to check it out. How genius, man. That was, <laughs> what an awesome trip. Did you hang out in Orlando after that for a while? Oh, yeah, I was there for like three days. Uh, checked out uh, checked out your guys' show, checked out the rides, checked out the theme parks. Don't remember too much of uh, of that particular night, but <laughs> it was uh, it was a good time nonetheless, so I'm... Uh, it's definitely had a good time. Now, what are the energy fields of Fort Mac? Are they fracking up there, or is it just oil? It's just all oil sands. It's kind of a, a non-conventional way to take out the oil right out of the sand. And uh, it's the mining process that kind of definitely has an impact on the environment, but there's also very much a, a reclamation process. And it, it may look really bad, but when you get right down to it, the, what they do to recover the earth afterwards it's very much they restore it back to its original shape so it's a very good process right and right and of course it looks bad and everyone just uses it as a way to kind of attack the whole town and you're like fuck it man hometown pride fort mac forever (laughs) 
You gotta defend. You gotta fight for something in your life, right? I fucking hear you, dude. I hear you. We came from a town that everyone called our town shithole. We love our process. Yes, the process (laughs) is justified. Um, in Highlands, we took a lot of shit, particularly being downtowners. Like Highlands took shit from everybody in Monmouth County, and then within Highlands, uh, there was even like differentiation there or kind of uh, prejudice there between uptown and downtown division, if you will. (laughs) <laughs> but you gotta be proud of where you're from. Oh man, you just, it's absolutely right. You gotta, like I said, you take the stand and you, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, home is where the heart is and you just gotta make it like that, right? Amen, brother. Where can they find the podcast, Totsky? Uh, ymmpodcast.com, uh, where we do it every second Tuesday. And every now and then we throw up, uh, uh, cinephiles too, we call it. It's uh, basically us just chatting about movies and TV. So kind of a two shows in one. Noise, noise. And what, <laughs> you bought the Red State package, the big old fat one, one of them? Oh, yeah, I was gunning for, I wanted to rock John Goodman as ATF for Halloween, but I managed <laughs> to sell out before I can get it. <laughs> the, uh, but no, I picked up uh, the one with the, the poster and the, the card and the, the music, the whole works there. Right on, man. No, it was actually, the movie itself was incredible. I went down to see you guys in uh, Orlando and then, Actually, that was in May, uh, March, and then uh, doubled back to L.A. to check out the screening at the Wiltern. You went to the Wiltern show as well. Good God. Yeah. Man. No, it was, uh, there's nothing like sitting there watching Red State with 1,800 people, and it's just, it made the atmosphere that much better. Where you, Like, John Goodman didn't even get a chance to turn on the bedroom light when everyone started started cheering and clapping, right? It just gives you goosebumps listening to that. It was. It was such a, a good time, man. That was the, I, I love that screen. It was a nice way to end the tour, too. That was like the last tour date, I believe. Mm-hmm. That was the last stop. What was it, like March or April? April 9th. It was April yeah, 9th, two days after June. April 9th, yeah. Wow. Uh, and it was, a, it was just such a way to watch a movie and uh, went down to the one in Edmonton there in August, too. And uh, it wasn't as quite as loud as the one in L.A., but when they all started laughing at the, the John Goodman joke about how do you secure the, uh, all this beautiful land and stick a cross on it. Right. And cut the laugh out of the crowd. Right. That was awesome. Yeah. That was, yeah. That, Oh, I like the Edmonton show too. God, there was not a bad yeah. screening of that movie. Every time we were there, it was just, it was a good time. It was fun. It's just such a way to actually to show a movie. Like it's one thing to go to a theater and, and watch it, but the interaction part, I think is what makes the experience right and that's just what made red state just that much more better definitely something you should consider for hit somebody if you do the arena tour like you're talking about yeah incredible Uh, that would be that's the dream man we take hit somebody to arenas all over the joint like once the film's done we take arena we do an arena tour of canada so you can watch that movie with like i don't know 10 12 thousand people depending where you are even small rinks even if you did like six to ten thousand seaters that'd be fantastic but it'd be Just great to do it in NHL ranks, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, home of the Oilers, watch it, somebody. Come on, it has destiny written all over it. Oh, God. No, don't tease me. <laughs> um, right on, man. Excellent talking to you, Toski. Give him a message, man. Here, the floor is yours. Tell him whatever you want to tell the audience. Go. One of the best concepts you can ever think of is chasing whimsies. And that's what I've been doing with the YMN podcast. That's what you've been doing with all your stuff. It's such a good motto. Definitely, I encourage anyone else to follow it. Also, check me out, ymanpodcast.com. Beautiful, man. Right on. Thank you, Todd. Due to a shitload of swearing and some graphic conversations, listener discretion is advised.
I'm Totsky. I'm Tito. And uh, we got quite the show today, don't we, buddy? Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, absolutely. This is, uh, this is uh, uh, today's show is actually, uh, w- what would it be? It's a collaborative brainchild of yourselves and, of course, uh, Miss uh, Teresa Wells, who is our guest here in the Dining Room Studios today. Uh, Teresa, do you want to say hi? Hi, guys. Yeah, so Teresa's here across from us, but uh, Todd, do you want to go ahead and introduce our very special guest this week? Yes, we got a very special guest as we go cross-continental. This would be Elisa from Wise County, Virginia. Cool. Let's, uh, I guess we can just give, uh, before we start going into our full details, we can actually talk about how me and you met, which was uh, rather interesting. Uh, yes, absolutely. I, I heard you call into the Smodco's Morning Show. And uh, you talked a little bit about the YMM podcast, and um, my ears really pricked up when you said the word reclamation, because (laughs) I come from a coal mining community where uh, reclamation is a very important part of our lives as well. And as I heard you, you know, describe your efforts to fight negative stereotypes for your community, um, I felt a certain kinship with you, and... uh, felt compelled to email you about it yeah it was really cool when the email popped up because i was just like reclamation and uh yeah it was really cool to actually hear some of the stuff that you were talking about and and just kind of literally as soon as your first email came it was the connection that i felt because literally you guys were going through some of the exact same some of the issues you identified with some of the exact same stuff that we found ourselves having a problem here with in uh, in fort mcmurray just it was one of those things like literally the words popped we are not alone popped into my head just as I was reading your first email and uh, it was just really cool how one of the shows that uh, I always listen to and one of the things I was very happy to be a part of there the Smodco show and really cool that uh, someone actually got some stuff out of the show right oh absolutely uh, it was very exciting for me too because I'm I'm an avid uh, Smodcast internet radio fan I listen to. More of their shows than I don't listen to, uh, and this is one of the first times I've ever felt compelled to to reach out to anybody based on what I heard there. So that's cool. Cool. Uh, well, I guess uh, just for the benefit of uh, the listeners here in Alberta, um, what I guess what else I'll, I'll, I'll ask the e- John Everyman questions <laughs> and uh, essentially, okay. So um, as for those that have listened to Wyman podcast, we've gone kind of generally over exactly what we do or what the community here does at the oil sands or as they're known in the United States and other countries, the tar sands. Um, but uh, it, in terms of Virginia and uh, coal mining in general, I mean, it's, it's a much older process than than oil essentially i mean coal coal was a fuel before before oil was even considered as a, as a fuel source so i guess my question my first question would be 
Um, it, my understanding was that coal came from, like, I mean, you'd have to mine into, I don't know, mountains or underground. Like, well, well, I hear coal just like underground coal in miners. general. Yeah. Okay, I, I didn't, I didn't, because like you know, you always see on the news that there's like you know, fifty Filipino coal miners are stuck <laughs> underneath the, like they always get stuck in the mine, right? And 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 I'm thinking, I'm like, but then you see the mine opening and it's small. It's like maybe twelve <laughs> foot hole. Crawl into the hole. So in terms of reclamation, exactly what what is what what do what has to be done and how much of an impact does uh, coal mining in general have on on the uh, the community where it's taking place? Well, um, you've actually touched on one of the the major kind of misconceptions that people have about modern coal mining. Um, most people do you know see on the news people getting stuck in the underground mines. Um, they imagine you know the olden days of fellas with pick pickaxes and canaries. Um, <laughs> But there's, a, the there's canary. a whole sector of the mining industry that a lot of people are not aware of, and that's surface mining. And that's where you go in and you strip off the overburden and, you know, you take the, the coal off of the tops of the mountains. So that's a lot more similar to the kind of operations that you have there. Certainly we still have deep mines where, you know, the traditional, you bore in the side of the mountain and get at the coal seam that way. Um but there, there's a lot more surface mining now. It's a lot uh, cheaper way, cheaper and safer way to go about getting getting the resources, and it's a it's a much more visibly damaging way to go at getting those resources as well. Now, now so, the the uh, the uh, that process, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you said you were from where in Virginia? Wise County. Wise County. Okay, so. Uh, I, is what did is this is this new to Wise County in terms of like they they've made this is the first mine ever or was this an older mine that got uh, converted over to the new method of of uh, of mining? Um, th- it's been kind of a shift over the years. I think, uh, to my understanding, um, and my boyfriend has just pointed out that I need to tell your listeners that I'm in the extreme southwestern portion of the state of Virginia. Most of the state of Virginia doesn't really have a lot of mining operations until you get down into this part of the state. Okay. But um, anyway, uh, you know, the the coal industry popped up here in the, the late 1880s, and it existed for that first half of the, the 20th century with that traditional kind of mining we're talking about. Um, surface mining really started appearing in the 60s and the 70s, and um, up until 1977, there were absolutely no reclamation requirements whatsoever, so they could just come in and strip off the overburden and get what they needed and get the heck out. Leave a big-ass so hole in the ground. This has been going on for, for a long time here, and um, you know it's not any one particular mine. We have several um, prominent coal seams in this county and it's a pretty large county Um, so different communities have have kind of popped up around different mining operations um, all of which have you know slightly different qualities of coal um, different different size seams of coal you know some of them are thicker some of them are thinner um, it all depends on the the geology of how the mineral developed. Yeah, I, I guess that uh, in terms of that, uh, I, I, the next question would be: I mean, outside of the aesthetic of using coal for you know barbecues and all that sort of stuff. I mean, why? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, what what does what is coal used for today? <laughs> for, like, oh, that's power. an excellent question. Yeah. Like in um, today's day and age. Yeah, but I mean, who uses it for power anymore? Where, how many coal powered engines are there really? Well, it's... There are a lot mm-hmm. of coal-fired power plants. Um, 
Let me see. I actually pulled some statistics on this for you. Hey, we got um, stats on the show. Right on. <laughs> um, of, of the coal that is mined in Virginia, 50% is used to generate electric power. To the grid. 35% is used uh, to make a, a, a product called Coke which is uh, when you burn the, the volatile elements away from the carbon in the coal, and that burns really, really hot, and you use it for metallurgy, such as to make steel. And then the rest of the coal mine in Virginia is just for industrial use. Now, for the coal mining, like where the coke comes from, that's just a byproduct of the process, or is that actually something you guys are making? Oh, that's definitely something that is, is made. And actually, my county... Um, a lot of the, the, the coal camps, when we used to have coal camps here that were mining communities, um, Virginia coal is, is highly useful for, for metallurgy, and so there were coke ovens that just lined the road, and they had, like, flames coming up out of them because um, you burn away the volatile elements such as benzene, colulene, methane, all of those gases, that's what burns. And uh, you leave behind basically just carbon. Yeah, one of the... one of the up real hot, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, one of the byproducts, actually for uh, our oil sands extraction process, one of the byproducts is a large abundance of coke dust. And actually, one of the things that some of the oil sands companies are doing is they're now selling this stuff to uh, uh, like companies overseas. I'm not too sure if we export any of that to the U.S., but uh, companies overseas are buying this stuff to put in their steel. But I know one of the uh, it's one of the more controversial byproducts, just for the sole fact that uh, what you just said, like how much energy it takes to get rid of all this byproduct, like all the methane gas. Like it's a very dirty, dirty process in order just to put this stuff into some steel, uh, into some steel oh, cars. Absolutely, absolutely. When we had coke ovens in this county, like some of the old timers, this was in like the fifties. But the old timers talk about um, when you would come through, uh, you know, the the coke oven areas of the county, you. Would would go home and blow your nose and just blow black yeah oh that is is that where the the whole phrase like the black lung comes from actually no that is um that is a a malady that miners develop as a result of uh inhaling coal dust in uh, in the deep mines which is why a lot of the modern in addition to the the possibility for buildup of, of gases, which can cause explosions, that's another reason that we have such uh, stringent ventilation requirements now to kind of keep that stuff from building up and, and gunking up in people's lungs. So no, that's interesting. Like uh, it just coal, like from our neck of the woods, coal just seems like such a, an older technology, an older uh, way of extracting energy. It's just it's interesting to hear how alive and vibrant it is in, in some portions of the world. Right? Well, I mean, it's all it's all in terms of uh, rel- relativeness, right? Because I mean, a lot of people could, uh, a lot of people are starting to consider oil as as an that's older true. technology that's as true. well, right? Yeah. So, but uh, no, that's that's actually really interesting how like they the the process kind. Of, well, I mean, I, I I'd venture to say, and I mean, uh, I'm saying this without even actually knowing any of the 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 study behind it, but I would venture to say that I, I that the process of strip mining that was that was 
probably developed for the coal industry was probably something the the oil industry adopted up here because i could i can't imagine someone developing that process just out of the scratch for the oil sands i would think that it would be someone that might have worked in the mining industry and then modified the existing process to to fit the the model up here right so yeah well it's just like like the truck and shovel uh, surface mining technique like you see a lot of this stuff going on in Venezuela for like the diamond mines mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing I, I'm just it's just interesting to think that I think there really only, only is one type of mining when it comes well, to I mean all of the extractive industries are related you know at certain points that my, I, I grew up in a coal household my father's worked in the coal industry since the mid 70s and um you know, a lot of companies deal in, in multiple energy sources. I mean, for a long time, one of the companies that he worked for was owned by Coastal, which is known more for, for oil than for coal. So you have a lot of crossover in the energy industry. Yeah, well, that's one of the things up here. Usually the, the companies up here, you don't see them uh, venture too far into anything but solely oil. The techniques are a bit different. Like, we got a lot of, like, uh, Shell uh, has got an oil sands company up here, and, and it's just like the ones that you see on the, the the gas stations you see on the side of the street. It's them solely that has like either oil sands, uh, offshore oil rigs. I can't think of anything. Uh, thermal projects, I guess. Too, I guess that's the other one, the more uh, sag D type stuff. What did you think of those videos that I sent you? Oh, I loved them. My father and I both <laughs> loved them. Um, I think I told you via some kind of communication technique i can't remember which now um that i talked to my father for like an hour and a half the other night preparing for this and he he had uh, fort mcmurray pulled up on google earth <laughs> you know, he was looking at the operations up there and looking at housing developments and industrial parks and i mean cool. he was just over the moon about this whole one of this the whole idea one of the things that i found was really interesting is uh, when me and you first started uh, having a dialogue going he met, he knew what the oil sands was. Oh, absolutely. Mm, yeah. Is that what I'm just curious? How would that be? A, how would a, a someone in the coal industry like is the energy extraction industry that close? Like, is people that would? Oh know? yeah, absolutely. And he and I were talking about this. Um, you know, oil prices and oil operations very much affect the coal industry. Okay. Uh, it, it kind of the the way he explained it to me, oil is kind of at the top and it it affects everybody else in the energy industry but there there is much reason for them to pay close attention to to that industry um so yeah he he definitely i mean knew exactly what i was talking about when i said oil sense he was like oh yeah tar sands like exactly <laughs> oh she said the t-word we don't like <laughs> the t-word no. around here <laughs> uh, so i've gathered so i've gathered um, uh, in terms of the reclamation process, uh, so so what the what does the the coal mining industry do in terms of re- reclamation now? Um, they have requirements to uh, return the land to a certain percentage of its original contour. Um, they are required to leave in their wake. Um, you know, a, a certain amount of, of vegetation to stabilize the soil. Um, and there are also, you know, water requirements because when you have the, the removal of the, the overburden in these mountains and valleys, um, certainly there's an opportunity for some water contamination with uh, particulate matter. So um, they have water requirements that uh, they're supposed to leave, leave the streams uh, as close to as, 
as they found them as possible. Um, and the, for, for underground mines, um, it's, it's not really, it's not really as difficult a process. Um, you know, some of them, they can, uh, collapse and some of them they can leave in place just as long as they're, they're secured from, from my understanding. And again, I'm not, I'm not a a part of the industry. That's just kind of my layman's understanding. (laughs) The, um, what we we were talking about uh, when we did the Skype test, you were talking about like the actual mountain range that you're in, and the exact words were. Uh, how, what's it called again? The the Appalachian. Appal- yeah, okay, the Appalachian. Appalachian. No, Appalachian. <laughs> yes. Appalachian. Yeah, See, this is what I was getting into it too. Okay. We all well, pronounce it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I always like if it wasn't for her, uh, she posted something on Twitter and it was saying. Uh, uh, it's like an angry dog, I think, and it was like it's pronounced Appalachian, not Appalachian. You fucking idiot, something like that, right? But we always say Appalachian. Absolutely. Where did, the, where did the misconception for Appalachian come or from or come from? Well, it's funny. It's a regional thing. Um, the the area that's generally thought of as Appalachia when people say Appalachia, like that's so Appalachian when they use that as a as an insult. What they're actually Ouch. referring to is Central Appalachia, which is where we pronounce it, as I just have. But it's a long mountain range, and to my understanding, in you know northern parts of the range, and also in some parts south of us, the the preferred pronunciation is Appalachian. So it's it's a difficult uh, distinction to draw. Uh, it was just—it was just funny when we were talking about it before. But what uh, what brought me onto that topic was uh, I imagine with some of these surface, like like I, I you know, what I envision in my head, and I've seen some pictures on the web, is like these beautiful mountainous ranges, something like Grand Cache, what we're used to up here, like Banff right. Jasper. And I'm just seeing that these like these surface mines, like how big can these mines get? Like if your dad brought up uh, uh, Fort McMurray and some of our oil sand sites via Google, you could see like some of these surface mines come up to like 50 kilometers long. And I imagine just for a mountainous range, like that's a lot of beautiful territory that's uh, that's going to be going to the energy industry, right? And so thus a lot that's got to be reclaimed afterwards. Oh, it is. And some of these operations are absolutely massive. Mm. Um, and if you go to like Google image search and type in generally um, those who would be taking pictures of these operations to show how terrible they are yeah. um, don't refer to them as surface mining uh, that's sort of a friendlier term uh, they usually use the term mountaintop removal mm. which um, wow. it's, it's sort that. of a semantic issue but uh, there is same thing with us. It, in my so head, much. mountaintop removal si- s- sounds nicer than surface <laughs> mining. So I don't understand. Because I'm like, oh, they're, they're taking the surface off of something. But mountains. I'm like, mountains? Nobody lives in the mountains. So like, <laughs> no, but people like to look at the mountains and they like to see the top of the mountains. Yeah, so I've, I've heard that used as a, as a derogatory term. <laughs> <I think laughs> well, mountaintop removal is the dirty word. Yep. Uh, and, and, I mean, you know, the folks who oppose it will say, oh, these mountaintop removal jobs, they're horrible. They come in, they lop off the top of these beautiful mountains and they just dump them in the streams um, <laughs> certainly uh, there there are mining methods that would be more accurately described as mountaintop removal um, this is a semantic war that's been fought for years but it is not as easily uh, blanket applied to all surface jobs but the, the bottom line is these surface jobs are absolutely massive Especially if you do a, a flyover. I don't have any statistics for you, but I mean, 
think of a, a massive mountain and just lop the top right off of it. And that's <laughs> that's what that's what some of these service jobs. And, and like. is so, that where that's where the operation all takes place then on on top of the mountain? Yes. Or, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, you've seen some of the videos I've uh, shown you, like in regards to our extraction process. Like, what makes some of our energy projects so big is the fact that they got upgraders directly on site. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have to ship uh, our oil very far to get. Uh, well, it's got to go far to get refined, but it's got to go. Doesn't have to go very far to get upgraded into a, a more stable bitumen source. The uh, like, I'm not too familiar with how coal operations works. Like, once they get the coal out of the ground, where does it go? It um it goes to a, a, a preparation plant or we call it a prep plant, which is usually pretty close to the mine site, um, and that's where you remove some of the um, you know impurities from the coal, wash it. Um, there are big uh, conveyor belts, uh, and the coal is is prepared at the prep plant. Um, Again, some of the undesirable material is removed, and then it goes into coal trucks where it's, you know, taken to whatever rail site um, it's going to be loaded at. Some of the prep plants, to my understanding, um, have rail siding, so you don't have that as much trucking off of the mine job. It really just depends on how far they are from, you know, existing rail lines. Um, but uh, the the prep plants are, are large and uh, very industrial looking operations. So the uh, probably much similar to what we have up here in regards to that aspect. The um, no, like I was just trying to grasp the whole size of it. Like when you say people, the the negative terminology, like mm-hmm. what was it, mountain top remover, mountain top removers. It's it's mountain top removal. What we probably compare it to is tar sand. You know what yep. I mean? Like we hate the word tar it's, sands, but in reality, it's 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 an, it's an, it's an yeah, accurate description, and, yeah. and it is the semantics. Where when I hear Alyssa talk, what what strikes me is the similarities uh, in being in communities that are resource based. The semantics wars. Uh, I'm, I'm just astonished, actually, by the similarities in, in uh, two locations that are uh, geographically so so separated. Oh, definitely. And one thing, um, and I'm not really sure where this piece of information is going to fit, so I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> um, I, I noticed in the videos um, use of the word bitumen. Yes. And uh, I kept hearing you guys say that, which really uh, peaked piqued my interest because there are three different kinds of coal. Um, there is anthracite, lignite, and bituminous. Right. And bituminous coal is what we have here. Okay. Okay, that's really cool. My husband is actually a geologist, so I'm familiar with the term oh, bituminous hey. coal. I've seen your eyes light up there. <laughs> the, um, I don't think, are they one and the same? I don't think they got anything to do with, no, because bitumen is just... Uh, what bitumen is is what's actually in the oil sands for our process up here. Like it's, um, like when they dig the oil sands from the mine, like they got to crush it into like a finer, definitely. It's not so much a powder, but once they get it to a finer sand, they got to mix hot water, and that's what's going to separate the sand and uh, so essentially bitumen. Yeah. And then bitumen is what we upgrade into. Well, a, is, an oil isn't product. bitumen the the tarry substance itself? No? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah essentially, it's yes. a petroleum product. Well, not the petroleum yeah. product. So but it's, it's, the, it's the tarry substance. Uh, and, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The it was what type of coal again? Bituminous. Bituminous. Does that is that referring to a tarry type of coal or no? I asked. I asked about this um, because I couldn't find this information readily online. So I just asked my dad about it, and he said 
um, mid to high grade bituminous coal, if you light it, an oily substance comes out. There you go. It is. There you it go. is the same thing, man. Because yep. uh, essentially, the the way the way the oil sands or tar sands were discovered here in Alberta was um, originally, I, as the story goes, the First Nation uh, people here they were using the the tarry substance that was seeping into the river naturally as as uh, insulation for for their boats and, uh, and what have you, right? So they were using it as as a, as a universal uh, insulator because it was this tarry, sticky substance that essentially, I mean, it, it was it was a glue. And and what they found was it was actually um, the oil that was in the in the uh, what, what is it the oil from the fossilized from fossilized remains that was seeping into the uh, the 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 the, uh, the sand yeah. and, mm-hmm. and basically either it it, did, it hadn't solidified because of the fact that the entire area is very marsh like so unlike uh, n- uh, natural fo- fossilization where something will harden and it will become stone like. Uh, bitumen is the same the same material, but it just didn't get that chance to harden. So what's happened is it's in kind of that in between phase where it's this very tarry, sticky substance. So yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there's a reason they 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 call them all fossil fuels. They're right. all yeah. highly That's right. related to one another. It's just all about the the geology of of how they've been allowed to to form into whatever they ended up. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's just neat. The um, so we got a bit of the process down uh, about how like each extraction process works, but let's talk about your community. Oh, okay. can, can I ask about uh, um, uh, Appalachia? I mean, where did the name come from? Appalachia. Appalachia. <laughs> Get it right. Appalachia. <laughs> oh, Appalachia. Where did the name come from? I, you know, I have done I have done probably six hours of research for this podcast, and that is a question that I can't answer uh, off the top of my head. Uh, uh, us, uh, us Canadians, we're a little bit more simplistic when it comes to naming things. Our, our mountain range is called the Rocky Mountains. I'll Very one, original. I'll give you one guess why we called it the Rocky Mountains. Uh, they're tall. Big rocks. They're rocky. <laughs> We can't get uh, we can't get the mountain tops off those. Of school, I, I believe that it uh, I believe that it is uh, Native American in uh, in origin, but I would have to look that up. Are, are there are there uh, is there a First Nation or Aboriginal community in in the state of Virginia that that is has made their voice predominant? I, I mean, I guess what I'm asking because I know I, I'm very vague on the history of the United States, but I'm my understanding is that uh, negotiations between the First Nations and the Europeans did not go uh, nearly smoothly. as as smoothly. And I say the loose the the term very very loosely, very loosely as it was in Canada because even in Canada, you know, negotiations were not that great. Um. You know, in this area, most people who can trace themselves back to some kind of Native American heritage uh, have roots in the Cherokee Nation, which uh, really had a stronghold down in North Carolina, which is just south of us. But um, from from what I understand, uh, there wasn't really a major Native American population in in this particular. Okay, so so there's there's no there's no say reservations that you're aware of then. Uh, not in my immediate area, no. Oh, okay, it's one of the, yeah because re- I'm assuming this is why Tito brings this up is one of the it's definitely one of the more predominant issues with in regards to any of our kind of uh, developments or even a co- if a company wants to come in, uh, a lot of our lands around here are actually native reserve lands and uh, they have to negotiate with the, that particular uh, group or tribe. I'm not too sure what they call themselves. 
and uh, basically it all comes down to dollars and cents. Like uh, just north of us is uh, a town or hamlet, I guess what you want to call it, is a Fort Mackay, and they're one of the richest First Nations communities in all of Canada because right, they're pretty much right in the very center of a lot of large uh, uh, oil oil sands operations that give them a lot of money every... Now, there, there's a flip side to that coin, too, because even further employ. north, there's another community There's another community known as the Fort Chippewan, uh, Chippewan Nation, and they're far further north, so they didn't, they're not entitled to the same uh, benefits because their land doesn't fall under the same, uh, uh, I guess, sections. But because uh, because the river flows north, they're they're seeing what they're call they're calling an, a, a, the uh, the downside to to all these operations, right? So there's a lot of court cases and and protesting. A I mean, a, a lot of a lot of the negative uh, the negative opinion of uh, the the operations up here in north has to do directly with the fact that the Fort Chippewan uh, Nation has made themselves very uh, very known in the media for for this, right? So. We, we don't really have anything like that here. To my understanding of the history of this area, um, it was very sparsely populated before coal was discovered here. Um, and then, you know, once that occurred, um, the, the companies that were interested in, you know, extracting the resources started importing people in mass. And so uh, in the early part of the 20th century, um, you, you kind of had something developing where you would have a little town in the middle, like in the valley of a, a mountainous area, and then in the hollows, or as we call them here, hollers, of, <laughs> of the mountain, you would have uh, coal camps. And these were entire communities that were full of people, you know, African Americans, um, Irish Americans, we had a lot of Hungarians brought in, um, who lived in identical like row houses mm-hmm. and then there each each um, coal camp would have its own church it would have its own school and it would have its own company store where um, people really didn't have to leave their coal camp community for anything like they could go down to town if they wanted to have a big day but you could get everything you wanted right there in the coal camp. And instead of getting a paycheck back in those early, early days, um, the company ran its own um, financial system where you basically paid for things in the company store on, on credit or what was called scrip. Yeah. So yeah. It's a yes, very I've heard about this. Lifestyle. There, there's been uh, there's been a lot of uh, I mean the, they've been kind of the basis of a lot of fictional movies where you've had you know a, 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 you know uh, I don't know if you're aware of the franchise the Bioshock franchise very similar to the same idea where someone they they make an operation in a very isolated area and essentially this one company runs everything right because of the fact that they control the monetary value of the community and all that. Um, what I was also what I was also going to ask I guess on that is okay so. You, I mean, um, I understand that the the mining operation where you guys are at, um, they're they're getting a negative a negative uh, light in the media as well, and ours is predominantly because of that that First Nation Aboriginal uh, Native American uh, community, and because because your area is more, I guess, in terms of isolated because uh, of the fact that whoever's in those areas is maybe predominantly be there because they're working in the industry. I guess my question is, where would the negative opinions come from, or is it just like a general, you know, uh, a, you know, red label for anything having to do with coal mining? 
Well, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of the families who live here um, initially were, were brought to the area, you know, for the mining industry. But we have... Uh, I, I guess now is the point where I should explain that while your community is uh, has an energy-based economy that's booming, mm-hmm. um, we are definitely on the other side of the boom and bust cycle. Um, our industry has declined yeah. massively, and we have high poverty and high unemployment rates in my county. So, what's the population um, of your the, of your area? Huh? What's the population of your area? My county, I have those stats as well. Uh, my county right now has a population of about forty six thousand. Um, we've come back a little bit oh, wow. from uh, from I think we bottomed out in nineteen ninety at uh, thirty nine thousand five hundred, and that's in a four hundred and five square mile area. But uh, in the nineteen 19- 50s, our population was closer to 57,000. Okay, so it's not not entirely what... Just a couple times you said smaller, like you find Fort McMurray is a lot bigger than what you were. I don't know why I had it in my head where I was just like, is this like, are we dealing with like a couple couple thousand people or but no like those numbers definitely aren't uh, aren't uh, really really small in, my, in, in the grand scale well, of things but, but you have to you have to remember that this is a massive land area fair enough, yeah each town you know the towns in our county have populations of 4500 3200 okay all yeah. down to a thousand okay yeah. yeah i see now yeah so um well, and I understand sort of those those challenges. Before I came to Fort McMurray, I lived in a in a gold mining community where, uh, at the time, the price of gold was not what it is now. It was actually abysmal, uh, and the community had once been riding high, and of course, uh, just due to economic reasons, was very low. So the population had dropped. There was high poverty, uh, and all the challenges that it. Uh, it faced as a result. So when you're when you're in a community that is so heavily resource based, you face some very interesting challenges. Absolutely, and you know one of the things that we have a lot of activists come in here from outside, and um, in the United States, um, the Central Appalachians are really um, viewed very poorly. Um, people see us as an isolated area of people with low education, mm-hmm. low intelligence, of a low socioeconomic uh, level. And so we have a lot of folks coming here from other places who say, oh, look at what these companies are doing to your beautiful mountains. And bless your hearts, you just can't fight it because you don't have the brain power or the resources. Let us save you from, our, from yourselves. Isn't it nice to be patronized? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's uh, – we – Certainly, I don't want to sound like um, I don't appreciate the concern, but um, folks don't really realize how um, that kind of condescension falls on what is a very proud people, and it's very difficult for us. Um, You know, I went to college in um, my state capital and have spent a lot of time in in my state capital and uh, Richmond, Virginia, and in the area around Washington, D.C. And when people hear where I'm from and they hear the way I speak, 
in a well-meaning way, they'll say things like, oh, you're, you're so intelligent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm oh. from that horrible place. And, wow. You know, did you wear shoes growing up? And did you have plumbing? So. You know, to be honest, I've received those same sort of comments when I travel and say I'm from Fort McMurray and people, you know, I tell them that I'm a writer. And they'll, wow, Really? Oh, because you're not involved just, with the oil sands. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just and it's it's deeply offensive to yeah. think that they they have this stereotype of who it is that exists in our community. Well, one of the things, just to to kind of contrast when it comes to our community, is yeah, it, it's a rarity to see someone a successful person like not involved with the oil sands industry. You yes. know what I mean? Like, kind of have that uh, uh, that what do I call it? A backfalling. Of uh, like we're primarily our, our primary resource here is like the energy sector, like that's our primary. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Draw attention. Help me out here, words guy. Words guy. <laughs> you know the speaky terms. <laughs> the speaky things. Um, no, no, you're right. It's uh, the the primary industry, source of industry. Yeah, it's our industry. It's pri- yeah, yeah. But like we also try to like. I believe what our second one would be is we really try to hype up our tourism factor. That's right. And it's it's one of those things, like Teresa said, like I, I could definitely see it. If you're telling people that, oh, I'm from Fort McMurray. Oh, what part of the oil sands are you working in? Well, I'm not. I, I'm actually a writer. And I can see where that kind of would be shocking to a few people that doesn't aren't familiar with our area at all. Excuse yeah, me. it's funny. Uh, in attempts to diversify our local economy, um, they've been trying to drum up our tourism industry for literally 50 years. Um, and there are certainly major efforts still afoot to do so. It's it's getting a little more cohesive and comprehensive than it has been in decades past, but they've still never quite achieved uh, the the major tourism industry that they like to have here. Right now, they're focusing on um, all terrain vehicle trails. Okay, because um, that's a really good. That's a really good use for previously mined land. Right. Hmm. So um, they've also looked at, there was an effort a couple of years ago uh, to populate the, or to stock the area with elk uh, to cool. drum up hunting. Yeah. But uh, that didn't fly. So. The, um, but to go back to what Tito was just first uh, talked about there, um, like where a lot of our negative steam, we're kind of jumping all over, but I'm sure this will sound good. <laughs> we're uh, uh, like, are pretty much what put us on the map for a negative stereotype, like basically what uh, what got Greenpeace's attention towards our region was the complaints and the concerns and the issues brought up by our, our First Nations people. Like I said, we're not going to go into whether they're valid or not because I don't think that uh, that question will be answered probably not in my lifetime. But how would uh, someone be drawn to your area like in regards to a negative aspect? Like, uh, are you guys very public? Like, is people constantly talking about your area, like around the Eastern Seaboard or in the U.S. in general? Like, how is how basically how would the protesters, the activists' attention be brought to you guys? So um, I'm, I'm just assuming there's other mountain top removal places all over. You know what I mean? Like, um, it, they they kind of come to the whole Central Appalachian region. Um, Certainly, we got a we got a lot of attention maybe three four years ago when they were looking to build a, a new coal fired power plant here, and um, that brought them in in droves. Oh, um, okay. But you know, they're just activists um, out looking look, for a fight, looking for a cause. <laughs> yeah. And, well. You know, we are certainly known as a coal mining community. We have a couple of activism groups that um, have 
a constant presence in this area. We have annual events that are held in this area by by the activists, and again, it's just that uh, it's that sort of perception of poor, ignorant, uh, disadvantaged Appalachian people who need to be saved from themselves. Um, we also have an annual one. One thing that brings us a lot of attention each year. Um, there's an organization called Remote Area Medical that uh, does health outreach operations, mostly in third world countries, where they bring in doctors to, you know, perform medical procedures um, and and preventive uh, medical testing for for people who don't have access to medical care. Hmm. Um, one of the largest remote area medical operations that occurs each year occurs in the county seat of my county at our fairgrounds. Oh dear. And what you have is hundreds of dentists and doctors, you know, giving mammograms, pulling teeth, um, in horse stalls. Oh, and it God. it is a journalist's dream come true. No kidding. So, Every year when that happens, um, we have this influx of media from all around the world. And I had a note here, and I'll have to look for it, on a comment that was made on NPR that was particularly galling to me. Oh, in 2009, an NPR report on on that particular medical fair um, referred to it as a third world scene with an american setting oh my yeah like that's yeah somebody else said uh and i can't remember who it was uh referred to us as a katrina in the appalachians (laughs) wow Wow. Well, and, and one of the things that I would say is, is, is as Todd Scantito have pointed out, some of the activism we experience is as a result of, of First Nations uh, communities and, and their concerns. Some of it also comes directly from the fact that uh, many environmental groups simply have an issue with any resource-based industry based on things like greenhouse gases, um, the environment in general. I know that the coal industry is considered a target in that uh, because of the use of, of coal for power, uh, and they feel the same way about oil. So for that reason alone, we become a target for for activist groups. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think, um, you know, in our particular situation, uh, certainly it it would probably um, get a little more intense if we had something like what you're referring to. Right. But, I mean, we're just kind of an environmentalist destination. Anywhere with heavy coal operations, you're going to see this kind of activity. But we have the added um, alluring factor of being a disadvantaged area with people who are perceived to be ignorant. So that kind of brings a, another angle on it. And and it does. When I actually was speaking to a friend about this, and I described Wise County, Virginia, and I said, so what springs to, to your mind when I mentioned the Appalachians? Or, and she said, banjos, hillbillies. Oh. And I said, really? isn't that interesting that those are the stereotypes that spring to mind when someone mentions this? Because those are... Those are often the images that uh, in popular culture you might see portrayed. And yet we have those same sort of stereotypes or similar stereotypes cast upon us in the oil sands. Yeah. Well, like 
would the, those be the types of stereotypes? Well, that we one, of, one of the not, not the like, same. Oh, hang on, hang on. One of the things, hang on. One of exactly one of the things that we've we've been accused of is the fact that we are the the drug and hooker capital. Oh dear, don't get me started. And the reason being because of the fact that we have a. We have, I would say, between twenty to thirty percent of our population can be can be considered somewhat at the somewhat transient, and as such, you know, boomtown, and you've got that whole. I mean, the the United States is no stranger to this this whole boomtown concept in general. Right. I mean, yeah. a lot of a lot of the major cities throughout the West were founded on the same concept. Yep. So I'm wondering whether or not uh, in in your region there, you guys have the same type of stereotypes where someone will say, oh well, they, that they you know they're they're transient work they they've got or they've had transient workers so as such maybe that's where the, the that whole like low intelligence stereotype is coming Uneducated. from educated yeah well um you know i think it's more the the rural nature of this area and certainly all the you know deliverance uh hillbilly <laughs> banjo type stuff we we did have a lot of transient workers when our power plant was being built but um more of what people think of when they think of appalachia or the things that i've already discussed and um we have uh crippling drug problem in this area certainly we don't like to talk about it but have you ever heard of oxycotton absolutely okay they call that hillbilly heroin wow interesting um, we're kind of it's not cheap <laughs> so um you know we we are viewed as an area with um high amounts of people on public assistance uh who have prescription drug abuse problems um, and low intelligence levels. Hmm. That's that's what we contend with. And it's extremely difficult to, uh, you know, work toward any kind of um, economic development, any kind of diversification of, of your energy-dependent economy when all business prospects despite the fact that you are a very safe area with rail siding and extremely low tax rates all they hear is hillbilly heroin ignorant people um you know uh, getting their teeth pulled in horse stalls so Mm. it's kind of an uphill climb now uh with uh i guess uh staying on the topic of drugs there um do the the companies that are directly associated with the mining operations there do they do drug testing uh for their employees yes yes they do Um, and that has really ramped up in recent years as the coal industry has worked toward putting more of uh more weight on safety than ever before yeah. And most of the major coal companies do stringent drug testing. What well, one of um, the uh, one, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but uh, one no. of, one of the things that comes up in uh, our community is the fact that drugs like uh, cocaine and oxycontin are more widely used because of the fact that their staying power in the human uh, metabolism uh, uh, metabolism it, it doesn't it doesn't stay very long. Exactly. Uh, so you're looking at it uh, maybe at the max of a week. So um, we're getting uh, people that are using using less drugs like, say, uh, marijuana because marijuana, uh, the THC can be stored in fat cells and stay in a system of between six to eight weeks depending on usage. So, you know, a, a person could get dinged for that or, of course, alcohol as always. But uh, 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 some of the harder drugs, which people are, are I guess, people that that's their habits, uh, will lean towards uh, will be those drugs specifically because of that reason. And and I guess your personal opinion would be, do you believe that that might be a reason why Oxycontin might be be in such high use 
Um, you know, I've, I've heard it posited that um, painkillers rose to such prominence in our area because, A, it's difficult to get any of the harder street drugs just due to our rural isolated situation, and B, because, um, you know, the mining industry is a hard industry, and people get hurt. Right. And it's they develop true. addictions to painkillers in, in the wake. Yeah. yeah, that seems like the truth across the board for all industry, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, I know we uh, our industries get picked on specifically for it, but, I mean, that seems like an, an issue that both the uh, American and Canadian uh, health associations are having problems with, is the fact that, you know, p- people are getting prescribed all these drugs for, you know, what cures for what ails you, and uh, you're, you're even having, uh, you know, uh, teens now that are getting addicted to stuff like Ritalin or, or uh, Absolutely. Uh, antidepressants, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. But, you know, as far as, as um, folks turn into those kinds of drugs because they don't stay in their system, um, you know, uh, the kind of painkiller abuse that we typically see, um, you wouldn't be going a week between abuses. So it wouldn't really have time to clear out of your system. You know, yeah, what so, I mean? so you're, yeah. you're talking about crip, crippling your addiction then? Significant yeah. uh, yes, addictions. Um, and you know there there are a variety of, of efforts going on to to fight that and and again you probably hear me sounded a little bit uncomfortable because that's one of the things that we don't really necessarily like to focus on but uh, I'd be lying if I didn't admit it was a significant problem in this area and I understand so. that I mean we have issues in this area as well and, and often people don't like to discuss them uh, but the issue becomes if you don't discuss them you can't address them right so it's it's one of those Absolutely. uncomfortable topics but you have to explore them so I, I understand uh, I mean, completely. Uh, I guess the other side uh, what I w- what I would present is like that seems like an, an issue that's not just uh, you know it's not just isolated to boom towns or, or industrial uh, towns but you're talking about larger cities that also have these uh, sort of drug problems so For i think sure. we're talking about this is this is a, a symptom of a larger problem and it just so happens that it's it's brought more to light in say Society. for example a mining community or uh the otar sands etc because of the fact that we're already under a negative light and like oh look mm. on top of everything they've yeah. also got it's people that have drug on. problems Absolutely. not only do they rip it's off a, mountaintops they also have a huge yeah ox or Where, whereas you know yeah. you've got I, I you know i have no doubt that the bigger cities in the united states as well as bigger cities in canada's have have comparable if not worse problems because of the fact that they have more access to these Absolutely. these type of materials, right? Absolutely. Excellent point. And, you know, certainly, I mean, I would repeat that in, in larger metropolitan areas, you know, it's easier for somebody to go out on the street corner and get coke or heroin, whereas here, um, you can't do that. Yeah, you have yeah. to go to the doctor to get your drugs because, like, we don't really have penetration of actual street drugs. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes that's even worse because you're talking about these, uh, I guess, uh, fabricated drugs. Um, I mean, a perfect example is something like crystal meth. Uh, these drugs are are, high, are are cheaper to make and they're highly addictive, so they're much more destructive. So the and results way more damaging. The results of which are seen more predominantly than, say, for example, you know, a, a community of of over a million that you know, oh, there's a huge cocaine problem in this community, but that's because they're able to have the money to use that drug. And you've got a smaller community that, oh, they're all addicted to, you know, not all addicted, but you know, there's a large percentage addicted to crystal meth. And the thing is, well, it's a smaller a smaller percentage, but because the the drug is so much harder, the problem is much more predominant mm-hmm. it, it, because the people that are affected by it are debilitated by it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And we definitely have, you know, meth and, and crank in this region as well. So. And and when you have a, a uh, an economy that is struggling, uh, and you have things like an oxycontin issue, of course, there's also people who um, are in poverty who will receive oxycontin from their physician, and then they go on to sell it because, of course, they are trying to survive, and that's that's something you run into in, in communities that are economically struggling. It's a vicious cycle. It is yeah. absolutely. So, so I guess what I w- uh, my next question is: You were saying that the the uh, industry is declining in your region. Um, it, your community, exactly what are they trying to do to maybe one turn that around, or two maybe uh, create newer or better industries in, in the area? Well, you know, certainly, like I said, we've had decades and decades of efforts for tourism development um, before. Uh, Traditionally, they have focused on, you know, our natural assets, um, beautiful parks, mountains, streams, uh, hiking opportunities, horseback riding. Uh, Now we're seeing more development in the ATV efforts. Um, In the past decade or so, um, America or the United States in general have... uh, taken a little bit more uh, interest in our unique cultural heritage um, which is wonderful for folks in the Appalachians because we have a a rich and unique cultural heritage Mm -hmm. so we've been seeing a lot of tourism efforts based around um, bluegrass music right Um, cool right well, I actually went to to the uh, the Wise County website and and did some research before um, I wrote about it and before speaking to you and and uh, when I was reading about it, I thought you know I looked at some of the festivals and I thought this would actually be a really interesting place to visit uh, because of sort of the cultural history uh, and and some of the things that are going on there and uh, it's one of those things where you look at a community initially and go oh well there you know there really isn't much there that I'd be interested in and then you look a little bit closer and say actually there's a lot there that's interesting and we find the same thing in Fort McMurray it's always uh, the arts community is always going to be a little bit deeper than than plain sight you know what I mean like it's to me that's something I always find like you're going to get your big festivals that are going to be the, the predominant the proud parts of the region but to get to, the, to, to what I consider like the cool stuff like I know uh, Alyssa you were saying stuff about your uh, your uh, arts community like to me like is that forefronted at all or is that pub- like is it ever on public display is it something that's hyped within the community or, or? Uh, especially in recent years yes um, we have a regional artisans initiative called Round the Mountain um, which uh, unites and, and highlights, you know, everything from pottery makers to folks who uh, quilt who, or who make um, corn shuck dolls. Um, we have the Crooked Road, Virginia's Heritage Music Trail, which um, highlights, you know, the unique musical heritage of, of this particular portion of Virginia. Um, and that's a multi-county initiative. And all of these are now kind of under the umbrella of the Southwest Virginia Cultural Heritage Commission, which is headquartered at a regional artisan center called Hartwood that has just been completed within the past year or so. And it it seeks to highlight all of these unique attributes under one roof right off a major highway. So, Excellent. um, In addition, one thing that I would be super remiss if I did not mention uh, and and my boyfriend, who's a trained chef, has come in here and written me easily five notes about this. <laughs> we we have a winery locally. Ooh. 
um, that has gained <laughs> That's us a lot. <laughs> I, I think I'm booking, coming to visit. <laughs> booking the plane ticket now. Oh, oh, but get this. That's not even the best part. This winery is um, sited on a previously surface mined piece of land. And one of the reasons that it works so well is um, mining can surface mining can tend to leave the soil a little acidic grape growing which is super good for grapes (laughs) absolutely actually i'm kind of getting excited here (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is the number one thing when i mention to people when i talk about our tourism industry when i say winery everybody's ears just prick right up but um it's called mountain rose vineyards if you want to look it up it's a a family operation totally homespun but they've won um, statewide awards for their wine. And they have wines that are named after the different coal seams in the county. Okay, that's very cool. That is, actually. Like, that's awesome. very cool. That's something that definitely needs to be on the forefront. Like, is, is, like, What's the community doing to push these initiatives? Anything? Or is this all individual ideas that they're just trying to go forward? Or, um, Well, the, the, the <clears throat> tourism efforts around here um, are pretty splintered. Um, we have a variety of um, individuals who have been hired by local government, um, different com- committees, um, different initiatives who are all seeking to highlight uh, all of these various attributes. We have multiple tourism authorities. Uh, luckily, you know, some of the, the more specified efforts that I've just described to you have been united under the umbrella of the Southwest, Southwest Virginia Cultural Heritage Commission, which certainly is a good thing because you don't want all of these different efforts kind of heading out in different directions and not communicating. Um, I know that our county in particular has also just pulled together um, sort of a special events coordination committee to work in concert with our local tourism committee to make sure that um, the festivals and and events and initiatives work together instead of kind of button up against one another. So, um, I mean, it's it's all just kind of testing to see what works. Um, I have hope that they're heading in the right direction, though. That's interesting. I can just see it now, the Syncrude Winery. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> one of our big companies are the one I sent you the video on about the, the big uh, very public reclamation project is a company uh, called Syncrude and uh, hmm. I, well, it's an interesting way to uh, rebrand uh, the area too because I mean there's entire regions of the United States where, where wine is considered one of you know the major exports right? and, so exactly. yes. and the tourism yeah. right so Absolutely. no, that's, no that, that's actually really interesting that, uh, that yeah no because I mean you know wine is usually associated with culture and all it's so yeah. interesting right. because wine is one of those really those really interesting things where it's like everyone's aware it's alcohol right and it, you know it, it's primary <laughs> it's <really>? primary <laughs> it's primary means is to get someone drunk but the thing no. is yeah, but it's, it's seen as I don't agree it, it, on the scale of alcohol it's seen as like the upper the upper the, the highest class of alcohol yeah. you can get right so but it's uh like water, man. no i find that yeah i find that really really interesting and um so i i guess uh, uh I, i'm still curious about the region in terms of um i'm not sure exactly how it works in the united states but in in canada i mean the federal and provincial governments um they provide a lot of subsidiaries and and help for uh, artistic initiatives within the within regions uh and uh municipalities um it, it does the state or the federal government uh supply the sense the say for example you 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 as a person say you wanted to start an artistic venture 
Uh, does does the state or the federal government uh, have any any sort of paths that you can take in terms of uh, allowing you to see that through with with their aid? Um, there are grant opportunities certainly um, from a variety of, of different state and, and federal level institutions, um, and uh, definitely we have state level. Um, funding mechanisms that are aimed at uh, diversifying the economy of this particular portion of the state. Um, So uh, it's just a competitive grant process. Okay, and and the state itself, I mean, are they on board on trying to to basically give the community a positive light, or is the community kind of standing on its own two feet and saying, well, we're getting all this negative attention. We're going to try to, you know, uh, you know, uh, create this positive spin on on our region. Uh, but I, I, I guess, I guess, my real question is just whether or not the state backs your your area, or if it's something you know, fend for yourself type situation. Well, just some background on what Tito was talking about is uh, we are very much supported highly by Alberta uh, and the federal government too. But Alberta, the province itself, goes through great lengths. To help us out with any of our uh, community image issues, I guess I would go on to because say because they're dependent on us yeah. economically. The yeah, like, I guess I guess that would be the reason for or the reason why for it too. Like if, if it's I'll scratch your back, you'll scratch Absolutely. ours. Like that's why I'm kind of wondering, like what would it be like in a region where it's not so much uh, economic dependence? Well, we have gotten a lot of positive attention within the past half a decade, decade from. Uh, some important um, state departments, such as the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development. Um, They have poured a lot of money into this region in the past few years, into downtown revitalization projects, um, into, say, the redevelopment of a historic hotel uh, right next to the courthouse in our county seat, um, greater than a million dollars into that project. you know, 700,000 here, 700,000 there for facade work, um, downtown master plan work for, for our various communities to kind of try and give them a boost. Um, and then we have state uh, developed agencies such as the Virginia Coalfield Economic Development Authority and the Virginia Tobacco Indemnification and Revitalization Commission. Just <laughs> long ass fucking names. Yay Which for acronyms. Call me Shield. Fund uh, the development of other industries in this region. They'll put money into, um, you know, the development of industrial parts, um, recruitment packages for call centers. Um, they've poured a lot of money in recent years into the development of uh, technology parks. Right. This region is is trying very hard um, with, you know, a debatable level of success to attract in, like, data centers. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're in geographically a very, very safe area. Teresa, if you were looking at our county's website, perhaps you saw something about the safest place on Earth. I did indeed. Yeah. That was part of that whole initiative to try to, um, you know. What's the play on that? Google or, you know, uh, Facebook or Apple data centers here because really Secondary we, Silicon Valley. we have a very low degree of, 
natural disasters here, right. along so it's, with extremely low um, tax and utility rates. So it seemed like a good fit, but we've we've only seen some measure of success with those those particular type of initiatives. And that's just solely based on your geographical location, right? Like geographic location, and again, just the fact that. Uh, as we've kind of developed into more of an impoverished area over the years, um, the the power bills, the tax rates here can't mm-hmm. be beat. The cost <laughs> of living is nothing, which is uh, quite a difference. Yeah. Search I've done yeah. pretty much the opposite of your situation. Oh, yeah. absolutely! Yeah. It's not too often that you pay over half a million dollars for your first house. That's right. One of the interesting things, though, that I found is is when you first contacted Todsky, is is it was uh, you sort of twigged on the word reclamation, and I know that you meant land reclamation. Um, I talk about reclamation as well in terms of our region, but I talk about it as as reclamation of our community image, and not having other people define who we are uh, and what our community is, but taking on the role of defining that ourselves and then spreading that message in the world. And I sort of I get the sense that you're doing the same thing, Alyssa, or or you're trying to do the same thing with Wise County. Am I am I right in that? Definitely, and you know I was talking about this with my dad the other night. Um, Without going into too much detail about the work I've done in my adult life, um, I started defending my community very young. Um, I had interactions with folks from other places. Um, I I went to summer camp growing up, so I, I dealt with a lot of folks from other areas who didn't understand Appalachia. And then when I got to college and had to answer all the questions about whether we wore shoes or whether we had working toilets, um, I've kind of taken on a, a de facto um, ambassador and defender role. And I don't know if I'll ever shake that. I mean, uh, well, and I hope that I don't. It's, it's important work to be done. And whether I'm getting paid for it or whether it's just in my spare time, like uh, this podcast that I'm participating mm-hmm. in right now, it's something that's very important to me because this is a this is a place that is is somebody's home, that's just right. like anywhere else. We that's... have arts, we have <laughs> intelligence, um, we, we have uh, unique uh, things worth exploring further. And to, to be just dismissed as, you know, the asshole of the United States is, is very frustrating for us. So. The, uh, I, I know I've said this to you many times, listen, I'll probably say it many more times again. It's the, the similarities that run between the two of us is, is astronomical because the quote that you just gave is actually I had a, a local reporter interview me today for a, for a spot in the paper where I did hype up, uh, hype up this show, this show in particular. And, uh, the exact quote when he said, uh, can you just uh, give a response about Fort McBurry? And I said pretty much the exact same thing. It, it's straight up home. It, it's where it's, it's home. It's where your family is. It's And home is where the heart is. And by all means, defend it is what I always say. Well, and that's, you know, I've discussed with many people as I've kind of um, talked about how unbelievably excited I was about this opportunity you've given me. Um, it's impressive to me the the efforts that you guys undertake just as you know individual citizens i mean a lot of the people who end up in in positions of defense in in my region are certainly you know government officials um journalists um you know uh, paid people to do this folks in in planning commissions you know folks whose job it is to 
give the area a little bit of a better face and to see um, individuals stepping up and volunteering to do those kind of activities on your own time is so impressive to me. <laughs> well, and I think we all have our, our reasons for doing it. For me, one of the biggest reasons is you, you talk about growing up in your area and then going out to other places and, and facing those stereotypes is, uh, is I'm bringing up children here. And this is their home. And this is, this is the place that when they go out into the world, they will refer back to as their home. And I don't want them to have to face those stereotypes. So I feel it's, it's incumbent on me to help change them. Yeah, I also find it very, uh, very fascinating the fact that I mean, uh, it, it's almost like you're in the future because everyone knows that. No, especially with natural, <laughs> Quick, no, with, with, with natural right. resources. This is this. I mean, I know we're living the high life in Fort McMurray right it now, but forever. it's it's gonna it's gonna, it's gonna die down, down, right? Yeah, it's only a so it's. I just find it really. Yep. It's it's almost like a study in in the future of the economy of our area. How uh, you know what's going to happen, and it, it it makes me feel it, it, it get. It, it it may it get, makes me feel happy and and it gives me a little bit of security to know that um, that there's other people that share in the same strife that uh, our community shares in right now, but also that you have uh, somewhat of an insight into things that we might not be aware of yet right. or not see. And no th- one likes to talk about it here yet. Well, yeah. Yeah, no ignores, one likes to talk about the end yeah, of the oil exactly. sands. People people ignore that, but the thing is, you know, it, it, like you said earlier, that this is all fossil fuels. This is all consumable resources that will eventually run out. So I mean, you I, I would say that your community on the cusp because uh, we are in a very interesting age now where we're all I mean the fact that we're all discussing this right now is the fact that we're a global community like uh, were this the 80s or even the 90s uh, would we have ever crossed paths possibly no. not no. it's it, you know no. it's a long shot but it, it, it but it you know more likely uh, uh, no than yes but I, I guess what I'm getting at is the fact that uh, I would hope that our communities could learn from one another, right? Uh, I mean, obviously, we've we've been able to learn so much from you just from sitting here Absolutely. and speaking. Absolutely. Last Absolutely. Hour, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, uh, no, I would uh, – honestly, my personal opinion, I would really like to do a follow-up and, and just really keep in touch with you as well as maybe other other people in your region and similar type of uh, communities where just to see if, uh, you know, basically the whole concept of the show being what uh, Totsky called it, the, you know, the We Are Not Alone project, right? Yeah. Which I love, I love the name because it's – it, there is a sense sometimes that you're alone uh, when you're dealing with these sorts of challenges. So it's incredible to find people in other places uh, who are dealing with the same challenges you are. Absolutely. And I, w- I would love to see this grow into not only like multiple podcasts, because I have, I mean, pages and pages of notes and stuff <laughs> that I've not even gotten to yet. But um, I mean, maybe one day we could even visit each other. I say road you trip. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to actually ask how, uh, how cold does it get over there? Um, not too bad. I mean, in in the dead of winter, you know, sometimes we have temperatures down in the teens to the single digits. Ah, so really we're totally going to visit because that is <laughs> yeah. that's a cakewalk for Canadians. Yeah, we're, we're freezing right <laughs> now. Well, he, well, no, well, keep in mind, like, she's, she's Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Yeah, zero yeah, so. is zero, though. Yeah. So. Oh, is it really? Zero is zero. Okay. On Fahrenheit and Celsius, once you hit zero, that's zero. Oh, so, okay. so they're still in the positives. We are... We are currently negative uh, uh, twenty degrees Celsius. They're way further oh, south. They're, without they're the wind way chill, warmer than we are. <laughs> yeah, we're in a cold snap right we'll now. We'll come visit so. you in winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because when we get down in the in the teens and the tens uh, Fahrenheit, I mean, it is insufferable for us. You might want to come in summer then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It, the like I said, when you sent me that original email, it. it put a smile on my face because the connections and like you said this is all possible because of the way our society is like with the internet these days like for 
totally lost track of what I was going to say. For global community, internet communication. Thank you. See, it works, guys. See, it works well. <laughs> the speaky guy. The global speak. community, internet community, Kevin Smith community. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then that's very true too. Like we are, if it wasn't for that show, like th- this would have never have happened. But I know I got a total new insight on exactly what uh, what goes on in other places that are very similar to Fort McMurray. And like Tito said, it's a very good point of something that we can learn from them too because it, 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 it is bound to happen. Yep, uh, oil will run out eventually. There is going to be a, another industry. Hopefully, we'll see what happens. Like I said. Uh, and, and my number one piece of advice to your community as somebody who's, you know, in a community with an energy-based economy at kind of a different point in our timeline is when when everything's ripe for the picking and the money's rolling and everything's going well, it's easy to say, oh, we need to look at other industries but not really do it. Absolutely. Um, Actually do it, yeah. 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 <laughs> you kind of see that here right now. <laughs> to diversify your economy while the getting's still good. Yeah, not great 50 advice. years not 50 years down the road when it's like, well, we really need to do it now. No, that, that's very insightful. So like, yeah. oh, it's kind of cool. She's like in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heed the warnings. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyone else got anything else left to say? I know you still got notes, Alyssa, but we can definitely... Well, not we can. We will definitely uh, be talking, obviously talking personally, but definitely have you on the show again. That would be wonderful. We can tell you a lot more about uh, the Fort McMurray lifestyle. And like you said, hopefully you can come up and check out one of the events that me and Tito put on up here. Absolutely. Uh, well, if for no other reason than to listen to your delightful Canadian accent. <laughs> I was just thinking your accent was the delightful one. <laughs> we actually, like, when uh, I first did the Skype test with Alyssa, I was just like, do we actually have accents? And what was your exact words? I said, oh, y'all sound real Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> we sound Canadian. That's good. But then I showed her a Newfie accent. So that's uh, <laughs> uh, when you want to talk dialects. I've never understood that whole stereotype about the southern accent. I really like that whole, especially on women, it's the whole southern bell thing. I I enjoy it. It's a beautiful accent. No, it's totally, it's got that sexy factor to it, you know what I mean? (laughs) Todd gets creepy. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're doing so well for an hour. You just had to drop the, they're going to leave, and it'll just be me and you. (laughs) This is the part that I edit out of the show. (laughs) Um, Anything else, Alyssa? I'm good for now, um, and and certainly I think in the wake of this, we'll all think of um, more that we have to discuss. No, absolutely. Like I said, it it's really is nice to know that we are not alone, essentially, and there's other spots out there that are having the exact same problems. So I uh, thank you very much for your email. Like I said, you reaching out I thought was absolutely excellent, and I look forward to more. Well, me too. Thank you for receiving it well. I thought like I'd maybe come across as a little <laughs> bit of an internet crazy. So. <laughs> Not at all. All right. So with that, for the YMM Podcast, I'm Totsky. I'm Tito. I'm Teresa. I'm Alyssa. We'll see you all next set. YMM Podcast is a T-Man Entertainment production. In association with Hyperphotonic Media. Find us at hyperphotonicmedia.com. Oh, fuck. <laughs>